Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability. As always, I am your host, Andrew Gerza, and I'm really excited for this episode because this is one that I've wanted to do for a while. Before we get into the the crux of the show, if you will, I want to, first of all, thank everybody for tuning in. It's been an amazing ride the last few months as the show really, I mean, the show's been out a year now, over a year, as, as you know, but it's really gained a lot of traction in the last few months, and our numbers are now over 25,200 downloads of the 60 four episodes that we have that I that we've put out in the last year. So it's been a slow burn and has it it wasn't a meteoric rise to like anything. But I think for an episode for for a, a podcast focusing on such a niche um a niche market of sexuality and disability to have such numbers is really, really exciting for me and makes me really proud to be doing this and I am the only podcaster doing sex and disability right now, but I'm really, really hopeful that more voices will come into the fray, and soon I won't be the only one, but for now, I'll hold down the fort, and I'm very, very excited by this. So I just wanted to thank all of you for listening, for pledging, for doing all the things to make this show go. Also, just a brief production note before we actually get to the show part of the show, I decided to roll out the show every Sunday instead of Monday now because I'm impatient and I like it when my numbers go up on release day and sometimes over the weekend I can't wait for Monday because I want to see the numbers go up on Sunday. So some of you may have noticed that I release it early because I want to see the numbers go up. So so to appease my own narcissism, I am going to release it for you early and this way you can curl up with my podcast on Sunday evening prior to, you know, before going into the hell, the hellfires that are our work days on Monday, you can decompress by listening to my sexy voice every Sunday night. So just wanted to let you know that it may be Sunday that the podcast comes out or it may be every other Sunday, depending on how I feel about it that day. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you what the episode is actually going to be about, and I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by this episode. I wanted to talk about kissing. I've been thinking about the act of kissing for a very long time. Actually, seven months ago, I posted on my social media, social means, I think is the correct terminology for that. I posted on my social media um, what people thought about the connections between disability and kissing and I, I posed this question to my Facebook 
because I wanted to understand were there any linkages between disability and kissing, and is that something we should actually be talking about, or does it does it have nothing to do with disability at all? Kissing, the act of kissing, um, and many people said to me on Facebook, "Well, kissing is simply the same for everyone. Why should disability be a factor in that?" Now I can see why one might think this. The act of kissing seems fairly standard in today's society and is universally understood as the act that gets us ready to engage in physical affection, sex, or more, right? If you trundle back to episode 18, and I'm not sure quite why I use the word trundle, but I really like that word. Let's say it together. Ready? Trundle. See? It's sexy in a weird sort of way. If you trundle back to episode 18, um, you'll hear, hear me talk a little bit about what kissing means to me, and I may repeat some of what that means to me here today, and I'm not sorry about it. So if you get some repeats um, of what I said in episode 18, episode 18 was over 40 episodes ago, so which, again, blows my mind. So um, I feel like I'm allowed to repeat it a little bit. So I looked into the Google machine to explore what came up when I typed in the words kissing a disabled person. I found there's actually a book on the topic, and I'm going to pull it up right now because I forgot what it's called, but I typed it into Google, and there was literally, there was actually a book that came up, and I'm going to type it into Google again right now just to get the book. Hang on one second. You're going to hear some radio silence as I do that. Kissing a disabled person, put it in the Google, and... The book is Disability in the Art of Kissing by Gary Karp. Unfortunately, it's out, of, it's out of publication, which is unfortunate, but it does talk about sexuality, intimacy, and the natural parts of human behavior and the myths around sexuality and disability with respect to kissing. So I thought it was really cool <laughs> that there was... A book on this and I just coughed there which is why you heard me like not breathe for a second um, that was really cool there was a book on this unfortunately it's out of print I further went down this rabbit hole and I looked at Google at Google answers and Yahoo answers and Reddit to see what people thought about kissing a disabled person a lot of what I found on these search engines was what you might expect to find to be out there on this particular topic it was typically well-meaning non-disabled people on these message boards asking random strangers how or why they would kiss a person in a wheelchair. Once again, it relies on the ableist idea that to be disabled you must only be a wheelchair user and why in God's name would you want to engage with a wheelchair user in an intimate way by kissing? So I saw a lot of questions like, my friend Googled how to use a, how to kiss a wheelchair user with answers like, Ew, why would you want to do that? Or other answers like, Make sure you don't sit on his lap to kiss him. How embarrassing that must be for him. Make sure you, tr you treat him like a normal person. These are actual quotes from actual people who most likely were not disabled talking about disability, which is just embarrassing all the same. But, um... You can see the the hints of ableism there 
in how they're saying it. One of my other favorites that I read when I was looking into this was someone asked, how do they even do that? Meaning they were asking how a disabled person even would kiss somebody. My first thought when reading this was, really, how is that even a question that somebody would have? And moreover, why would you put that on a forum and not feel weird about doing that? And then I, of course, remembered that ableism is a big thing we deal with every day. Kissing is something that I do believe is intrinsically connected to disability. In my experiences, and there have been a lot of them, kissing has been a central discussion in how I have my sex. I've had a lot of guys, in my case, tell me that they don't want to kiss me because they might catch it. I'm not even kidding. This is something that men have told me during the throes of making out that they're afraid to kiss me because they might catch my disability. Um... Okay, sure, that's super wrong, but also, why'd you gotta tell me that? Why? I typed in why there, so I had to intonate it like that. I typed in why with like seven H's, so it is why? Um, but anyway, kissing is, I think, an important part of sex for anyone, but it was for me as a disabled person extra important. And has become a skill that I've had to kind of hone as a disabled person. You see, I can be really aggressive and bitey when I kiss somebody. I can be really, really into it. And that, I think, is a result of the fact that I don't get to kiss as often as I want to. I would love to kiss somebody every day. So when I get the chance to actually kiss somebody that I want to impress or that I want to turn on, I can be rather intense when I kiss you. Really, really intense. I, I, I may have unintentionally bitten some lips during my sessions to some of you. I'm sorry for that. And to others, you're welcome. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark. But first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So... We'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark is brought to you in part by La Petite More. La Petite More is a Hamilton, Ontario, Canada-based sex toy company operated by Haroon Sperling. A 1NB operation, they are committed to body safety, body positivity, and a gender-neutral approach to their toys. Head to petitemore.ca to check them out and be sure to use coupon code AFTERDARK for free shipping at checkout. Petitemore.ca, adult, queer, safe. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. So, before the break, you heard me say that I can sometimes be a very aggressive kisser because I often don't get to kiss the way that I want to or 
as often as I would like to, or as often as I would maybe expect for another queer man to kiss, because, and I feel that's often related to my disability, and so I can be really, really intense, I was kissing somebody not too long ago, and they stopped me and were like, and they were like, wow, that you were kissing way too intensely, and they had to like tell me to calm down, but again, because I hadn't kissed in a while, and because I wanted to feel all the feelings about that, I was a really, I was a really intense kisser, and I, I am a really, really intense kisser, because I want to feel all the feelings about that, and around all of that. Um, but actually, though, why I think kissing is essential as a disabled person is that it is one way we can learn about our bodies and how our bodies can be angulated and positioned for sex, flirting, or intimacy. When you're, a, especially in my case as a wheelchair user, when somebody goes to kiss you, they have to angle their head, and you have to angle your head around not only their body, but also your wheelchair or your mobility device. And it takes, kissing takes on a different shape and a different form, I think, when you're disabled. And I've noticed that when I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going to to have somebody come in for a kiss, I have to move my head around my wheelchair, their body, and my own body to make it work. We kind of see this played out in like comedy movies when, you know, the nerdy person and the nerdy other person like go to kiss each other. That's a trope we often see in comedy stuff, but it really is funny when you consider the way mobility devices play into kissing because it really does, surprisingly, when I thought about the way I kiss, it does certainly play a role there, mobility devices and disability and the way how far you can move your head. All those things play a role in how you kiss as a disabled person. If you are somebody with a disability and you have the opportunity to kiss your partner or a lover or a one-night stand or a hookup, have a, have a look at how your body changes when you go to kiss somebody, not just because of your hormones, but how your disability plays a role in that, because it really does. And I'd be curious to hear from any listeners if, if that experience of your body shifting and the shape of your kiss is something you have experienced. I'd love to hear your feedback on that because it's happened to me a lot, so I'd love to hear if, hopefully I'm not the only one. I also think for me as a wheelchair user, there's a lot of ableism that can sometimes go into the act of kissing someone. I have to ask for a kiss a lot of the time. I have to ask my makeout partners or my lovers or my hookups if I can kiss them, and they have to bend down and bend down to kiss me. Like They have to physically change their body shape to accommodate me, and that kind of sucks because I can't get up and give them one myself. I don't have the autonomy to kiss somebody. They always have to do it for me, and there's a little twinge of ableism in there for me that really makes me kind of uncomfortable. But also, I mean, it also does toy with the idea of consent because I, I have to ask them if it's okay if I can kiss them. So that's important. But again, we're taught that when you kiss somebody... You know, you sometimes we see it in in TV shows or movies where they just kiss their partner with reckless abandon. That's not something that I can actually do, and that's that can sometimes be really frustrating for me. Because I do like the idea of being able to go up to a, to a consenting partner 
and just giving them a kiss because I wanted to, not because I had to ask for it. And it's, it makes you feel... There are moments where you don't quite feel like a quote-unquote normal person having to constantly ask for this affection. because it d- And then it does play into the idea that maybe you're a little bit too needy because you're asking for a kiss all the time. That kind of stuff, which, which is a ridiculous thing to think. But it is, it's the byproduct of, the byproduct of sexual ableism is these thoughts about like, I don't want to have to ask for a kiss all the time, but I do, blah, blah, that kind of stuff. I'd like the ability to decide if I want to kiss a partner if I want to. I still have the right, I still have the autonomy to say no or to say yes, but I can't physically kiss them. And that's, that, I mean, I look, you should see me when I try to, like, if I was to try to kiss somebody, it would just be me straining my neck for two minutes, pursing my lips which is a hot image all by itself, I know, but I would like to be able to actually kiss somebody if I wanted to. I got some really important responses to the question, how does disability affect kissing on, the, on my Facebook page? And I want to read some now. I'm not going to name any of the people that sent me the responses just to protect their anonymity. Um, I had somebody tell me that sometimes they can't feel parts of their face and they drool it a little bit, so... They've been told their kids are sloppy and they're, they are self-conscious about their drool, which I drool all the time when I kiss. I get that. I feel like sometimes drool as a disabled person, um, especially somebody with CP, it happened to me a lot as a child, the drooling thing. Um, so I've become very, very self-conscious about just drooling on somebody. Drool can be hot, though. It could be a sex, it could be a sex thing if you made it one. Um, but I understand the sentiment there for sure. I'm a sloppy kisser, and I'm I'm not sorry about it. Not. No. And this person that mentioned this also said that they felt like somebody should look past it, and I don't think they should. I think, like I just said, you should turn it into your... Make it part of your play. Make it part of your experience together. Um, somebody said, yes, kissing and disability are... They do do interplay with each other. My tongue and throat are kind of tight, but apparently that can be a good thing, depending on the application. And yes, yes, it can. There's a condition called erythropathic tongue. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. But it's like a tongue with CP that's a little bit tighter. The muscles in the tongue are a little bit tighter. I have the same problem sometimes. Um, it can be really fun for kissing and can also make things not so fun as well. People have also commented, they said, you know, I feel weird asking for affection all the time. Having ha- having had somebody to bend over to kiss me feels weird sometimes, and I agree. For me, that also feels weird sometimes. Thank you for your comment. Um, I had somebody tell me that there's a lot of pressure put on kissing when you're physically limited in other ways. For me, kissing is something I must succeed at because other parts of physical intimacy are so iffy. I felt that way. I felt like I have to be the best kisser in the world because I can't do anything else, so I better be able to kiss you. And I'm pretty sure I've said that on episode 18, but uh, it's something that I still feel. I have to be like a champion kisser because I can't thrust, really. So, I mean, things like that. Um, And, of course, there's a lot of ableism there. I had somebody say to me, I absolutely, I absolutely love kissing. In my experience, I have only made out with other people who are living with disabilities. So, kisses are always hot and wet. 
another thing I love about making love to people with CP is you never know when one of you are going to have an involuntary movement. This adds an element of surprise to the experience. I also like imperfect movement because I like when my partners give me a touch of pain with my pleasure by my lover biting my lower lip or my lips. That's awesome. I think it's really great that we can that we can use our disabilities to make something as as something as culturally innocuous as kissing become something that we can have to really think about and navigate, which is cool. Um, and I appreciate that. Somebody told me that kissing can lead to joy and orgasm. That's a very good thing and useful for people with few no feelings, no feelings due to spinal cord injury, for example. This can be experimented by anybody. We all have the capacity to experience orgasm with other parts of ourselves other than our genitals. And I would agree with that. There are, there are ways you can kiss somebody and you can make them come just by kissing them. I'm pretty sure I said also in episode 18 that if you blow in my ear, I'll come. That's true. And so it's awesome that we can use the art of kissing to make somebody orgasm without worrying about the rest of their body because things might not be things might not be quote unquote normal as the way we, we want them to so we have to find other ways to enjoy each other and I think kissing can be a great way to do that thank you very much for your comment um, somebody told me I know that my MD limits my ability to send physical physical signals to my partner that I want to kiss her which can be very frustrating at time I would agree with that I think it's really hard to like I made the joke a minute ago about pursing my lips but not being able to send a physical signal that you want to kiss somebody when it's so... Kissing is so much about body language. And when you can't access that body language, I can attest and I can understand how frustrating that must be. I got an email from somebody recently who about this because I asked them to send me an email so I could read it properly and have it in my inbox so I didn't lose their great insight. They are a person with a disability or a disabled person who uses a ventilator mask to breathe so the mask goes over their nose and over their mouth i think just their nose i'm looking at the picture they sent me of them so like their little profile picture and it looks like over their nose not their mouth just their nose and it looks and i so i asked this person about kissing and they said kissing is something that i really enjoy but unfortunately i don't get to do it all that much I'm not bad at it, but sometimes I feel a little bit subconscious because of the ventilator mask I wear 24-7. It takes a bit of figuring out to get the right angle and such, which can sort of take out the, spontane the spontaneity of kissing. I think it's all about practice, though. Practice and confidence, though. The more you do it, the easier it gets, and it helps to be comfortable with yourself. It also takes finding someone who isn't afraid to adapt and experiment. For me, I gained a lot of confidence kissing someone who was also disabled. I like how this is an endorsement of we should all be kissing disabled people. We should all be kissing each other more. Um, I personally think able-bodied people have a lot of hang-ups and misconceptions regarding disability, sexuality, and sensuality. So true. Very true. This person also says at the end of their note, they just got a new mask and they're dying to test out kissing. So... That's awesome, and I love... A mask was something I never thought about until they brought it up. So I really appreciate that these 
kinds of things can be brought up about kissing. And, and I, I honestly, I knew people that wore ventilator masks, but I, again, my own privilege didn't allow me to see that as an issue, and now I totally, completely do. I had another Facebook message from somebody who told me that while they love the idea of kissing, they're also concerned because of their level of disability that if they if somebody were to kiss them and possibly have a cold or possibly have some sort of viral infection that maybe not even would be that wouldn't even be showing to them, it might cause the person with a disability some sickness and illness and problems, which is again something that I my own privilege didn't allow me to consider, but that's a very real concern and something that we should consider more when we're talking about kissing and disability. Not not to say that everybody with a disability has a disease that therefore if you touch them will kill them. I need to make that very clear. But I also think that we do need to talk about the prevalence of airborne airborne viruses that could come from kissing, which are something we don't consider when we think about kissing. But as a disabled person, if you were to even get a cold sometimes, you could get really sick and be hospitalized for that. So it is something to consider. As I was doing this, I really got interested in asking different people about their experiences kissing with a, disa- with a disability or kissing somebody with a disability. And so I asked two of my friends. My first friend that I asked, her name is Claire A.H. She's a storyteller, a matchmaker, a sex educator, and she's somebody who's navigating her own experiences with a disability. And so I asked her her thoughts on kissing as a, as a newly minted disabled person. Here they are. Hi, Claire. Hi there. Why don't you tell me what kissing is like for you? <laughs> as you said that, my dog snored audibly. That's good. Um, so kissing for me... I had a stroke uh, about two and a half years ago, and before kissing was just, it was the way it always was. I had my established baseline, no complaints. I really, really enjoyed kissing, and I enjoyed the sensory experience of that. So now I have, um, I don't have much sensation on the right side of my mouth, so including my lips and my tongue. I would say the way I explain it is so I have I have no sensation from the neck down on my left side, but on my hand and my face on the right side, it feels like maybe a quarter to a third of sensation is there. And it feels a lot like if you went to the dentist and you had freezing and it was just starting to come out. So I have um, a little bit of a lisp now that I work really hard to not have audible because it's not how I used to speak and I I like kind of sounding how I used to sound um in terms of kissing I don't feel anything really on that side I have less control over my tongue um I don't have the same sort of like sparkly connected feeling when I kiss anymore because on the one hand I literally have less feeling and then on the other hand as a result of that, I have less emotional feeling about it. Wow, it's the emotional part, but I'm curious about how do you, like, why do you have less emotional feeling about it? Do you mean that it, that don't feel as connected to you anymore? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because 
that's the case for a lot of my body that I don't feel parts of any kind of like sensual encounter, whether it's like kissing or touching or, you know, a massage or, or any sort of like more, more kind of like intimate sex act. I, I, I just, it's been hard to reconcile the kissing because whereas with, um, with other types of sex or, or massage, I can still see a lot of the kind of outcome and benefit. And so that kind of feels like a one-to-one, whereas kissing, the, the benefit is just the, the feeling. It's not you kiss till you have a kissgasm or you kiss until your muscles feel more relaxed. You kiss because it's a sensation. And so for me, I'm kissing my husband and I know what it was like to kiss him before and kiss him now. And so I guess it's it's a little bit harder. Sorry, my, my dog is snoring. I'm just going to poke her. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think it's a little bit harder now because I know what it was like before and I know what it's like now. And it's hard not to feel kind of sad about that, or at least a little maudlin in some ways. And then that, that takes over the part where I can just let loose and kiss and feel comfortable and be in the moment because so much of being in the moment for me has always felt like being in my body. And if you can't feel something, then it's hard to feel like you're in your body sometimes. Completely. So do you, what do you say though, that having you had to go I mean, I still, I love it. I uh, Kissing is, it's always been really important to me and I don't want to divest myself of it just because it's something that's more emotionally fraught or less sensorily, you know, positive than it used to be. So I think what I've done to kind of deal with it, and it's something I've done to deal with a lot of aspects of kind of my my change in sensation and my change in ability or, you know, endurance for all sorts of things is to look at it a little bit more from an intellectual perspective. So while yes, it's a little harder to get into the moment, it's a little harder to feel the enthusiasm that I used to feel about it. I know that kissing is a really sensual act. I know that it is something that not only contextualizes sex acts and sort of adds passion and eroticism to it, but it's something that in and of itself is very intimate, very connected, and I see as being beneficial to my relationship. I see as being beneficial to my sexuality. I see all of the values for that in terms of connection, in terms of playfulness and exploration and I just try to think of it that way and that does in turn help me to sort of take the pressure off of some of the feelings I have when I get, I'm in my head and I'm thinking oh I can't really feel this I can't really control my tongue as well as I used to I just I'm not in it how I used to be and it and it kind of mitigates those feelings and redirects it towards okay there are there are a lot of wonderful things about kissing and that can be the benefit that can be the reason for doing it right okay thank you so much there thank you
I want to thank Claire. If you're wondering why my audio was kind of wonky there and you heard my voice a little bit, I tried really hard to remove my audio completely from her thing as if we, as if I had already asked her the question, but then there was a little bit of bleed through, so that's why. But thank you, Claire A.H., for letting us know your experience with disability and kissing. I then asked my friend Natalie Rose, who's a PhD candidate at the University of Toronto, studying disability and relationships, and she is not disabled, she's non-disabled, and she's married to one of my best friends, Tim Rose. We went to college together, uh, and she explains her experience as a non-disabled person kissing a disabled person. So um, the first time that me and my husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, kissed, um, it was really awkward. And I was worried it was going to be really awkward because he, because um, he's in a, because he's using a wheelchair. I knew that he couldn't come in to kiss me. So the first time we kissed, he actually asked me, um, can I kiss you? And uh, it was kind of weird, but it was also kind of romantic because in any other time that I've had a first kiss with somebody, um, that's usually negotiated through body language without any words. Uh, so either you lean in or the person leans in and you just kind of both assume that that's what's happening and you start kissing. Uh, but with Tim, even though I could provide some body language that maybe showed that I'd like to be kissed, he couldn't then just come in and kiss me. So he asked to kiss me, and then I said yes, and so I leaned over and kissed him. And the thing was, like, it was weird, but then it's never been weird again. So I think a lot of non-disabled people assume that kissing a person in a wheelchair is just going to be this super odd and awkward experience, but it's really just like kissing anyone else. And especially after that first time, that's just how we kiss now. So either I lean in and kiss my husband or he says, give me a kiss. And then I lean in and kiss my husband. Uh, and it's just kind of our normal everyday thing. Yeah, at, well, in terms of a, an initial kiss, like it was um, kind of awkward because because, again, I wasn't used to people asking but then also in hindsight really nice because I was being asked and I was really actually given the choice as to whether or not I wanted to kiss him but really after that first kiss there's nothing weird or awkward or it's not something I think about in terms of consent um, because I'm married to Tim and we've been together for six years um, generally I don't know, like I don't ask him if I can kiss him. And I'm just talking mostly about like, like, hi, how do you're home for dinner? And I, and I kiss him. Um, and that's just generally, like I know that he consents to that. That's just like an everyday whatever thing for us. Um, and if he wants to give me a kiss and he just says it, like it, it, it's really hard to say that I think much about that at all now. Um, the first time we kissed, it was actually kind of nice and kind of romantic. And it did make me feel like I was giving an, given an actual 
option, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, I think just the most important thing is that I think people assume that disabled people and their ability to be romantic or whatever is going to be so incredibly different or weird. And I think it it is one of the things that keeps a lot of non-disabled people away from, sorry. Uh, it, I think it's one of the things that keeps a lot of non-disabled people away from even thinking about being with a disabled person. Uh, but the reality is that those awkward things become not awkward very quickly. It just becomes your normal pattern in a relationship. Uh, and to be honest, the beginnings of all relationships or even one night stands are always awkward. So it's not like disability is creating something that isn't already there for everybody. It's just making things look sometimes a little bit different, but different is not inherently bad. I want to thank Natalie for her views on that as a non-disabled partner of somebody who's living with a disability and sharing what kissing her disabled partner Tim means for her. It's such an important thing to get a bunch of perspectives and I love that this this thing on kissing, this this episode that I've done or we've created together, actually, it's totally collaborative. Forget what I said. This episode that we have done together has brought out so many viewpoints on something we I think many of us who are not disabled take for granted sometimes. And this is broaden this is I just said broaden, that's not a word. This has brought so many new perspectives to the to the forum. Forum? To the floor? To the floor. Brought so many new perspectives on kissing to the floor. I can't say enough about how exciting it is to hear all these things and all these different viewpoints. And for every episode I'd love to have viewpoints like this. I also think for me, kissing is such an important part of my sex, like I said before. So if you want to get with me, please be into kissing. Please, please. Because I feel like if you're not, for me, I feel like if you're not, you think my disability is too too scary and like you don't want to kiss me because you might catch it. These are things, like I said, that I've been told before and really have affected me as a disabled person when it comes to sex. So... If you want to get with me, you can kiss me. But also, there are some disabled people who don't like to be kissed, and that's okay. I also wanted to talk about the prevalence in the media that I see of so many people kissing disabled people, like on the head or on the forehead, to be, to be for like photo ops and things. The Pope needs to stop doing that. It's weird. Um, unless he's kissing them just as a Catholic person, sure. But if it's just because they're disabled, it's weird. And I see this in, in photos all the time, people kissing disabled people randomly. And it's like, well, how do you know how do you know if they like that or not? Maybe you don't do that, especially for people who have communication barriers. They might be looking at you with their eyes saying, no, no, don't kiss me. And there you are doing it. So please be aware of consent when we think about kissing disabled people in photos and things. It's weird. And make sure you check in with people with people before you do it. And we also need to stop those stock photos that we see of people kissing disabled people for like a feel-good moment. It's also really weird. But I love the act of kissing. And I love how my disability can enhance kissing and change it and make us think about it critically. 
So I'm really, I'm really excited that I got to bring that forward in this episode today. Um, that's all I really wanted to share about kissing. I hope you can all go out and kiss a cripple, or kiss this cripple if you, if you will. Um, all right, we will see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening, and hop on over to the Facebook page or to Patreon. Check out our sponsors, Come As You Are, and Le Petit More. Um, thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, book me to bring sex and disability to you, or you simply want to re- leave a review of the podcast, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this program in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Also, leave us a like on our brand new Facebook page at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. Copyright Notice. This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.